Hello and welcome to the Football Ramble, a penalty shootout in the London Derby and Dyer's got the shit. It's Wednesday the 30th of September. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Venetian Hunter Raja. <laughs> Just to clarify, I don't actually know if he has the shits. Has he though, Jules? I think he would have taken a lot longer. No, not if you've got the shits. It's in and out. You're straight in and you're straight back out. Mm. No? I'm worried about, unless they've got a B-Day situation there, I'm worried about all (laughs) sorts of things. They must have a B-Day in that stadium. I mean, it's the greatest stadium in Britain. They must have. Yeah, they should do. Or maybe one of those Japanese ones where you can just press a button and it turns into a Oh, those are good, aren't they? You get yeah. like a hairdryer on your bum. I mean, why, why do we think, to, 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 to clarify, <laughs> that Mourinho ran after him? I mean... Well, he it, said, didn't to he? To go and Eric put paper down. <laughs> no, he said, I, I went in there to tell him to hurry up. He needs to come back out. You, th- that's you the last... Go, yeah, you can't go when someone's waiting for you. That's the last thing he needs Poof. to be told. Hurry up. Poof right. I think he already knows the... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Poof right. Is that something you get? <laughs> I don't know. When you need to you go, get, you, you need get, to go. Yeah, if you get one, you get the other, don't you? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was so. Oh, yeah, he knows. He's just run off a. He's just run off a professional football match. He knows he has to get back on as quickly as possible. Yeah. What would happen if he did that on five aside? I reckon you get pelters from your mates if you did that on five aside, and they might even. I don't think they'd stop for you even in five aside. No, I don't think No, no chance. Rolling, We've rolling, already got the hour. That's easier though, rolling subs. Good point. Yeah. yeah, true. I mean, to be fair, it livened up the game, didn't it? I love the fact that Eric Dyer still went out and did the post-match interview. That is brave. That is ballsy. I like that because he could have quite easily gone, you know what, no, I'm not answering anyone tonight. This is far too embarrassing. But he went out, he spoke to the press and he admitted that he just needed to go. When you need to go, you need to go, Vish. There were two moments that I enjoyed. Um, he was awarded the man of the match as well and he put it on the toilet and took a photo. Yeah, that was very it. good. And also at the end when Mason Mount missed his penalty, he went up to console him and he had his hands all over his face. Oh, no. <laughs> well, to be fair, when you're rushed out of the loo like that, you probably don't wash your hands, even in COVID times. Don't wipe, them Mason Mount, don't wipe them on Mason Mount's face. <laughs> I, I, honestly, would it be surprising if later today there was a brief from Chelsea that said Mason Mount is currently ill? <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely made it highly entertaining because we know what the League Cup's like, Andy. You're watching Bake Off at the same time. It's not really the first choice game you watch, is it? I have to say, it was only the second of the series of Bake Off. So, um, yeah, I suppose equi- equivalent to the um, early stages of the, 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 the League Cup. I mean, it feels like a later stage of the League Cup than it should be. Cause, I mean, they're in the quarterfinals after winning that. Yeah, I know. Aren't they? And it seemed like almost too big a game for mm. this stage in the competition. But I think it did underline the squads that both sides have got as well, because I, I tend to think it's really beneficial for Spurs to put out the team that they did and okay the performance was a little bit up and down but I think for Mourinho that's that that's quite that's quite good to have that sense of what I've got in the rest of the squad what I can do without Kane and a a, a couple of other players and um, the the second half particularly I thought you know Spurs obviously made a a few changes to try and get themselves back into the game but I felt that there were some players out there that they got a he, he will know a little bit more about. I mean, it's it's quite interesting when you like, sort of follow what Spurs fans are saying on social media. Jelson Fernandez was getting quite a lot of shit. I know our, our own Kate Mason was was defending him. I thought, given how little football he's played, he was okay. I, I think there's enough to say, let's give him another go. And 
Tunky and Dombele already is growing into that costume of like being the boss in that Spurs midfield, I think, as well. Could I ask um, a question relating to the French style of football for midfielders? Because I noticed Ndombele did a little shift with his feet yesterday that Paul Pogba does as well. And it's one of those where it looks like he's kind of playing, you know, touching it with his right to go to his left. But he almost stops it with the same foot and, and shifts the other way. And it leaves defenders in exactly the same, well, you know, elicits the same reaction in defenders where they just, they don't just stop. They kind of turn around and they're like, oh, I've, I've, there's no way they can combat this. It's almost like a street football move. I'm not articulating it very well here. But, <laughs> but Ndombele did it in the second half. And I thought, you've created space from nothing there. Mm. You have no right to be as free as you this are. This is right where now. I want you to get like a little tablet out and just demonstrate it for us. Get your video. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for social <laughs> do outside it. and, and Ramble TV head. touch screen. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I was. Uh, you know, you said there it was a chance for players on the fringes to come out and um, and show their worth, and he seems to be doing that bit by bit now. He does, and um, again, I know Kate was very like distressed by the idea of Spurs selling him when it looked like his his position at um Spurs was 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 untenable and i think this this is definitely smart to reintegrate him uh, it might be by circumstance rather than design because that they couldn't find someone out there to buy him but they definitely lack that player in midfield and being forced and maybe this will happen with other players i don't know because of the current situation of the the, the market and everything being so uncertain that you've got to work more with current players i would love to believe that was the case certainly because it's clear that Ndombele, with the right backing, with the right confidence, can provide something that they don't have. And that creation of space, I, I think, is, is, is a really, really good example of that. The, the fact that he's, he's someone who can change the pace of the game, that he can go past players, that he can play that pass. He's, he's not just a final passer. He's not just a ball winner. There's, there's so much to him, I, I, I think, and it will, it will really benefit Spurs, who... Like under Mourinho, generally have looked really, really stodgy in that area, and so I'm, I'm sure we'll get to uh, Sergio Regulon in, in in a minute. But when you think of Doherty and Regulon coming in, you think, well, there's nothing in the middle, so they need to create something from those wide, wide positions. Players, yeah. But if they could do both, obviously that would be even better. Yeah, well, he got his first start last night, Regulon, and he looked good, I thought, and of course crossed the ball for Lamella's goal for the equaliser. Mm. And as you say... And g- gave away the goal as, yeah. as, as, as well yeah. for, for, for Werner. But, you know, you've, you've put him in there to play. You know, he's, he's, he's going to make mistakes now and then. And, you know, that's that's part of it, right? I loved his appetite after making the mistake because mm. it was so bad because he's, he makes two mistakes. Like he gives the ball away and then... Aspilicueta sends him for, well, I don't know. I thought he was still going to go. He might as well just walked off the pitch. It was such a satisfying skid though, wasn't it? It was, it was. I think Andy Gray once, um, when someone was done like that, once said that they would need to buy another ticket to get back on the pitch. <laughs> and it looked like he was in that situation. But he um, just the appetite to, to keep going forward and, and to know that the pressure was on him a little bit more as the debutant, as someone that has been, you know, talked about a lot for com- coming into the team and, yeah, he he's. Um, I know we saw it a bit with Sevilla, and I, and I know that when you watch YouTube highlights, you're only going to see the best of certain mm. players, and and even with defenders, is about what they do going forward. But he was just his his, I suppose his fitness as well, because he's going to be rusty, mm. and just the way he was able to go back and forth, and even the way he turned onto his right foot to put in that cross was so smart. Because I think mm. in that moment he realised that they know I'm left footed. Ideally, I'd like to cross this to my left, but I'm only going to get space on my right, and I'm going to 
deliver the perfect cross. Well, you can talk about rustiness. I mean, it, to me, it feels like the Europa League finished like five minutes ago. That's true, actually, yeah. So uh, maybe for him, there's no real stoppage. I had a day off and then I went to Spurs <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But still, it's been a while since he's played a full yeah, match. Absolutely. So uh, what about uh, Chelsea's performance then? Because... They they scored earlier on in the game through Timo Werner, his first goal for Chelsea. We also saw what a finish. A, yeah, what mm. a fi- we saw mm. a first start as well for Ben Chilwell, who's been out injured. We saw Mendy with his first start as well for the club. So there are a lot of debuts last night, Andy, for Chelsea. As a whole, what did you make of their performance? Because technically they didn't lose the game, did they? No, I thought the the, the front half was better than the back half of, of it. Um, there's there's work. That needs to needs to go on, and um, clearly, I, I got the impression that with the, with that rotation, I, I felt like I, I don't know. It may sound weird because of Tottenham's current schedule, but looking at the comp- composition of the teams, it almost felt like Tottenham were rotating more to find out a little bit more about the squad, and Chelsea were rotating for rest. I mean, that that, that might not be correct. No, in fact, it probably isn't correct, but. I, th- I think that's 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 the way it looked in in terms of the team sheets, and uh, it it just felt like Werner was left in to get his goal, yeah, really, mm-hmm. really, and 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 that obviously worked. I, I think, and that... obviously he scores when he can't get me any fantasy points, <laughs> and he's now out of my team. <laughs> Not that it makes a difference because obviously you don't get points for the league cup, but still. He's gone. He's well, gone. He should now. do. Is, is, I lost my patience. Is, <laughs> Dead is, to me, Vish. Is, is that a change you would like to see in the the, the, the game? Points for the League Cup? No, definitely not. No, no, I can only focus on one competition, Andy. It's too much. Right. <laughs> well, Spurs are having to do like three at the moment. I mean, it's incredible to think that they're playing a game that, you know, Mourinho says is more important against Maccabee Haifa on, I thought on that was, Thursday. That, I thought that was quite interesting of him in the post-match, didn't, didn't you? It is, it's I, true though, isn't it? Yeah, no, of course it's true. Yeah, it has to be. But they don't normally admit it, do they? They don't normally say this is more important than that, especially when they've just won on penalty. I thought it was a little bit of a dig at Chelsea in a way. Like, oh, Thursday's more important, but we still beat you. Ha-ha. Him and uh, Joao Sacramento were having a sort of sneaky little celebration going down the yeah. going down the, the, the tunnel a sort of we want to celebrate but we don't want to be seen celebrating yeah, exactly. because we want people to think it's insignificant even though it's quite a good bit of deal to me although really was it Sacramento sort of instigating the celebration like oh no it's a big deal to you <laughs> yeah. gaffer giving him a little cuddle and rub on the head well from Spurs fan perspective we have to go to Kate Mason on this and she was loving it last night wasn't she in the WhatsApp group she was like we're going to win two trophies this year we're going to win the League Cup and we're going to win the Europa League I don't think she was joking yeah you've, you've thrown <laughs> her on the bus there haven't you she's being deadly serious I think the um the thing about uh, Spurs and and where they are and I suppose where football is at the moment in general we're gonna have more pl- people more more players more coaches speaking honestly because the schedule is such a farce mm. that you know we see it in their actions of what what is you know what is the priority here and I wondered as well from Chelsea's point of view yesterday that's quite a not necessarily an easy trophy to pick up but it's one of the easier ones to pick up it's one of the ones realistically in both Spurs and Chelsea's reach. And I thought Lampard looked particularly downhearted yesterday. And I don't think it's just because they lost on penalties in the way they did. I think it's because it's quite an easy win. And he played under a manager in Mourinho who would always use that League Cup as a way of cultivating that winning mentality. Mm. Because it is a habit, isn't it? You see Mm. the best teams in the world, they don't just win one, they keep winning. And they keep winning because they remember what it feels like. And they know what it's like to have their hands on something and to lift it and to get all that praise and to build towards something. And I think I saw that more in Mourinho's side yesterday, not least because of how they came back in the second half. And also 
conversely the other way in the way that Chelsea seemed to let Spurs come back in the second half. So I, I think, you know, Mourinho's, he's already won it four times. I think he won it three times with Chelsea, he won it once with Manchester United, mm. of course, for a fifth. And I think Lampard thought, damn, that's probably one of our two gone now, actually. Yeah. And and when you think about the schedule, we, I mean, we've talked about it, it is absolutely nuts, particularly for Tottenham because they're in the early stages of the, the Europa League, the League Cup now, and obviously because they're through to the next round, that means that's only going to continue for them. Coming into last weekend, they played four games in 10 days. And then between the start of this week and next week, it's another three games in seven days. And those games aren't easy. As you say, they've got a Europa League game on Thursday to come. And then they're away at Manchester United at the weekend. These the one aren't team easy games. that is ever going to be thankful for the international break. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are right. But yet, despite that, despite the fact that when you talk about the squad, Andy, and, and the players that, mm. that were used, no Deli Alley again. Now, if you are moaning about, well, maybe not moaning isn't the right word, but if you are commenting on how hectic the schedule is. Moaning is definitely the right okay, word. Okay, moaning is the right word. I, I was trying to be professional for a second there. Um, but yeah, it, you know, when you're complaining about the amount of games you have and needing more players, but you've got someone like Deli Alley and you leave him out the squad for the fourth time already this season four times he's been completely left out the squad that's obviously very telling and something needs to happen there where's he gonna go well, he needs to leave they're, they're trying to get rid of him clearly yeah. um i still think it's, it's, it's quite a difficult deal to piece together to get him to to paris saint-germain i don't particularly think he fits what paris saint-germain want or need at the moment although interestingly would that be on loan uh, i think so i think so but i i, I guess the the one thing that makes it work is, like I said before, the, the fact that Delhi is far more versatile than people give him credit for. I think when he first came into the Spurs team and he was he was playing a lot deeper midfield role. So I, I think he's more than intelligent and talented enough to do that. But what's interesting, actually, is they're looking in France at the moment and Neymar played this kind of different role when um, Paris Saint-Germain won at Reims at the weekend. He played somewhere like... Not exactly a 10, not quite that far forward. I'm not talking like Pirlo sort of deep, but a little bit deeper than you would expect him to. And he played really well there and he, he, had, a, he had a really, really good game. And it was interesting to see if they'll use Neymar going forward. Now, the the one thing with Neymar is he's up before the beacon. We're going to find out like later today, actually, um, if he's facing a, a, a ban for his spat with Alvaro Gonzalez and Alvaro Gonzalez is likely to get the book thrown at him as, as well and quite rightly so if he's done what people think he's done in, in terms of racist abuse but Neymar's been accused of homophobic abuse of uh, racist language towards uh, Hiroki Sakai um, the, the Japanese right back of Marseille and with that I mean he could be out the, the, the expectation is he could be out for quite a long time if he gets done for that. So it may sound weird, the idea of Delhi replacing Neymar, but he could definitely do the job he did last weekend. So it'd be interesting to see how it all fits together. I mean, the thing is, with enormous clubs, and well, enormous clubs, with Paris Saint-Germain, they <laughs> always get the player and then, and then figure out how it will click together afterwards. I could understand why they would why they would go for him. He's, he's, he's an enormous talent and obviously generate a lot of interest. I know we've spoken about on the show about where we think he might go, and I think there's a lot to be said of uh, you know Andy touching it there about how he came into the side. He was a bit more deep lying and and just kind of 
him sorting out in his own head where he wants to play. Because evidently, as you, you know, you start this question off, Jules, with you know complaining about lack of bodies, and you're leaving out one of your more established. Um, I wonder if how, how much of Mourinho's, um, you know, how much not a dislike. That's probably a bit harsh, but how much of Mourinho moving on from Deli Ali is just thinking, how can I fit this player in my team? I can't make enough. I can't give him enough assurances to be for him to be the player he wants to be in this side. I mean, I know they're not the same player, but do you think the concession of getting, letting Dembele, um, letting Ndombele back in the in the picture is sort of almost to Ali's detriment? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I remember when Ali started, I thought he was one of the more dexterous midfielders in England. Well, sort of rather English midfielders. Dexterous is the word, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dexterous I, Deli. Because yeah. <laughs> there, there were also moments where I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to, I'm not going to unequivocally like him to um, Thomas Muller here, but sometimes in, in forward positions, he, he seemed to be very hard to track and he was also very hard to defend against because he would move a bit differently because he's quite tall and you know he has so many different skills. You don't really know if he's going to arrive at the back post and head in or he's going to be the one that threads through that pass or arrives late over the top for a ball from Harry Kane or whatever. And now I think he's lost a bit of that. And I don't think it's down to laziness. I think, I think it's more down to a bit of confusion. Mm. So I was trying to think of where, where he might go, where he might get some of that back. And it would have to be a big club. PSG seems a, a, a bit of a weird one, but I suppose, as you said there, if they're going to work out how to use them, then fine. I mean, Inter, just because they love a bit of a Premier League player, don't they? Yeah, and they've only got like 28 midfielders <laughs> yeah. at the moment. They'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, well, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, five or six days until the transfer window closes. So uh, by this time next week, we should probably know where Delhi is going to be for the rest of this season. Where there's a desperate need, there's a way, basically, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I, the clock running I, down. He, yeah. he will go somewhere, won't he, in the next week. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, congratulations to Spurs. They're through to the quarterfinals. Uh, something that um, I know the guys have been talking about quite a bit on Football Ramble in the last few days, and uh, Kate and the guys yesterday spoke about it. It's the update on football's future, whether or not there would be any funding, particularly with the National League uh, due to start this weekend. Now, it is being reported that the National League and the government have agreed funding to support the league. Now, this is great news if this actually ends up happening because, look, they're in such a precarious position. The fact that they've had to wait until, what is it, three, four days before the league's starting to know whether or not they can even play this weekend seems crazy to me but if this news is true and the government does manage to fund the National League and and the lower leagues going forward for the rest of this season then that's brilliant news because it means that all of those players and all of those people will now have jobs for the for the rest of this season because it must have been so tough for managers of any of these National League clubs and the lower league clubs to have to get their squads together they've had to prepare them all I was listening to Jamie O'Hara who's the manager of Billericke on TalkSport and he was saying he's had to get his squad completely prepared for a season that they don't even know whether it's going to go ahead or not and mm. he and the the players contracts don't come into effect until the weekend until that first game is played so you could get as close as Saturday morning and still not have known whether or not you've got a job for the rest of the season and for the a lot of these players this might be their only job. This might be the only way they have income for their families. So fingers crossed, this all actually ends up going ahead. It looks as though it is. Um, so yeah, that's really good news, isn't it? Yeah, massively so. The, one of the reasons the seasons were were cut short so early during um, well, during the first lockdown was because of basically what you've alluded to there with regards to contracts. Because in a lot of those players' contracts at that level, the contract ends at the end of the season, which is written in as basically at the final whistle of the last game. 
and with with the suspension and with that last game moving further and further away, players you know players were kept getting paid and clubs were like, well, we need to come to a solution. So let's can it all together. And now the flip side is, yeah, that all these players are kind of even more in the lurch, and it's really. You know, I think we certainly, you know, in the, between these four walls, we talk about football and we talk about the highest levels of football. But we have to also remember that it is a job. And while it is a job for people at the top, yeah. it is a lot of the people's sole source of income at mm-hmm. that level. Bear in mind, you know, we obviously talk a lot about the players that have come to the top of the professional game via the non-league. But you've got to remember that they're the ones that make it. And there are a lot of people who don't actually have that part-time job as, um, you know, as an S&C coach or as a trainer in the gym they think this is part of their dream and a lot of people live that dream live that sole purpose up until the age of of 28 some even at 30 considering Mm. how late Vardy came through um and yeah it is is really harrowing and I I do hope something can be done and it's obviously the government funding stuff is encouraging I don't hold up much hope for it to be honest Mm. like it all sounds I don't want to be a bit of a doom monger here because we haven't seen how it's going to plan out but I mean I think we've got enough evidence of how things have been done over the last few months maybe in the last couple of years to know that I don't know I'm, I'm, I, 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 want to, I want to see it I don't I won't trust it until I see it yeah yeah I think that the the positive thing is that with this news that's come out that the government are going to to fund to support the leagues at least that's them recognizing how important these football clubs are and how important yeah. these jobs are because not only is a football club there to provide jobs for people in that community the club is there to provide a lot for a community whether that's for mental health reasons or exactly. whatever it exactly. might be there are so many issues around a football club that perhaps if you've not been involved in low league football you wouldn't even really think about but actually it is the heart of the community Andy isn't it yeah it, it really is and um a lot of these clubs have have, have done a lot like with no budget really to to help their local community um during during lockdown i think of um the the, the don's action group with um afc wimbledon for example who've got food out to to vulnerable people through a huge n- network of volunteers and a network that was originally assembled to to, to, to leaflet for the bond issue to m- make up um, the, the difference in funding between the stadium, which again will be something for the community. So I think to think it's it, it's just players, and if you're a pro, you're loaded. I mean, we've got to get past that thinking. Yeah. Is 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 so much more, but it has to be about the fans as well. Because I mean, as, as Luke was saying, and I thought the guys had a very eloquent discussion on it yesterday. Um, you know, it, it is. It is something that's important to people. All these clubs are important to people. And, and that's why, you know, people have fought tooth and nail to keep clubs that have been in dreadful positions alive and why, why it's been so awful to see Berry go and to see Macclesfield go. But I, I feel there's been very little understanding or top-level leadership of, of the issues that these clubs actually face. And, you know, it's something that we're talking about now we should have been talking about it six months ago. Like, yeah. obviously, before that, you know, it w- w- would be better if stuff was run better in the in in the, in the first place. And clearly, there are a lot of issues that have have been there for a number of years. But um, that we're just coming around to talking about it now, when we're like, you know, sort of a foot off the cliff, mm. it's, it's, it's it's ridiculous. The real issue here is that um, fans are still not allowed into stadiums of elite football clubs and the National League is part of that elite group. Now, that means that without any of the gate money, the funding just 
literally isn't there and football clubs can't survive. That's why they need the government funding. So that's National League and National League South and North. North and as, South as well. As they well, were included it? because yeah. there was, um, I think it was changed maybe a couple of years ago when they they wanted to sort out relegation and promotion from the National League North and South. And in order to be able to have that into the National League, they needed to include them as an elite club. Yes. Now, obviously, this is an issue because without any of the gate money and now hopefully with some government funding, they can survive. But in terms of the FA Cup, there has been some agreements made in terms of fans being allowed into certain stadiums. Now, if any elite club, as you've just said, Andy, National League North, South and above are at home, then they can't have any fans in those stadiums. Home fans can attend non-elite club games. And so if there are two clubs that are both non-elite, then they can have fans in the stadium. So we've actually seen it recently in the last couple of weeks since the season began that the non-elite clubs have had fans there and actually as a whole from what I've seen and we've had coverage on on BT Sport at the weekends because we've had reporters out to some of these games that they have actually got fans there and they're absolutely loving it it's so amazing to see fans back in stadiums and they are all socially distancing and it's all being done Mm. very well but of course this can only be done in the non-elite clubs still. But it goes back to that theme especially with the FA Cup qualifying rounds um, that are happening this week that you know football doesn't exist in a vacuum and that's what we've been talking about from the very start I suppose isn't it I mean they had this statement from Corinthian Casuals they're playing Dulwich um, which um, I, I, I looked up because I didn't want to misquote and uh, Corinthian Casuals have said uh, following an announcement from the Department of Culture Media and Sport in conjunction with the FA Corinthian Casuals will be unable to admit supporters of Dulwich Hamlet to King George's Arena for the FA Cup second qualifying round fixture which is happening this weekend as the coronavirus is clearly clever enough to differentiate between supporters of <laughs> Step 2 and 3 clubs in their wisdom supporters of National League clubs which include Dulwich Hamlet are banned from spectators and you've got this situation haven't you Vish with with Wildston which is and the streaming which is a really weird one yeah yeah they've had to get they're basically in a situation where they um they can admit people into their clubhouse to watch the game on a stream where on the other side of the wall this match is taking place where they've got to black out the windows that's ridiculous but the I mean yeah, where do you start yeah. with, with some of this bullshit? Because you'll be it? in a situation where, well, I, I, I don't know what team it would be actually, but there clearly would be a team in the situation who are losing money from getting promoted, getting yeah. promoted into that elite level. Mm. Um, That's a really good point. I don't know why they didn't just. Oh, sorry. I, like I, I don't really have anything to say beyond just a flurry of swear words, really, yeah. because we're in a situation now. Bloody where, COVID. But just, but just some common sense as well. I think it's it's you know a lot. Of, it is obviously COVID's fault, and you know fuck fuck that guy if we ever see him on the street. <laughs> but roll your sleeves up like Frank. But there is a way. Get those of, forearms out. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a punch in the face. Take off that Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a way of doing this sensibly, and I, I think you know why are we not surprised? You know we we see EF Cup. If EFL clubs go out of business, despite the fact that we have warning signs two years down the line, all it would have taken is a bit of forethought to think, right, you know, let them watch the game at least through a window. Like, why? Uh, I don't know. Sorry. This is just so, so We could dumb. rant. We could rant for ages. I know, yeah. And just the thing I will point out is we're very lucky that our football clubs are very different. Obviously, Wimbledon, um, a bit different for you, Andy, but... You know, while our teams are playing football and playing football four times a week, suddenly these guys are just out on a limb and, yeah, I really, really sympathise with them. Yeah, it's crap. All right, well, let's move on. We're going to take a break and after this, we'll get to some of your emails. Okay. 
Craig Brown, welcome to the Football Ramble. No, I wasn't expecting that. Craig I thought it was Marcus's day off. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering what that was because we were we were pre-warned prior to that break. Pete's made something for you. I, was, I wondered how weird it would get. Always sends a little shiver down your spine, <laughs> I know, doesn't it? I know. Um, right, let's get to your emails. Show at footballramble.com. Uh, this first one is from Darren Kershaw, who says, Hello, all. Hello, Darren. Uh, just regarding yesterday's email suggesting football clubs should merge to save the lower leagues, I've got a better idea to avoid potential rivals having to join forces, which nobody wants, really. My, da- my idea is. A football tax. Good God, I never thought we would talk about taxes on Football Ramble. He says, hear me out, though. We often talk about how those few teams at the top of the pyramid get richer and the money never gets reinvested back into the game. Why not, on every transfer in the Premier League, just like an agent takes their cut, the Football League receives a cut? This money is then redistributed amongst the lower league clubs and the higher you finish, the more you receive. You could also do the same with TV fees from Sky and BT as well as any other fee paid as part of the Premier League machine. You could even have it as a stipulation of any foreign billionaire or state wanting to buy a club. They also have to contribute to the well-being of the league as a whole. There has to be enough of this excess cash sloshing about that the rich minority just would not miss. It's just a thought. Keep up the good work. Vish, you gave me a bit of a look during that what do you think i think it's interesting i think there is nothing wrong with the idea of a you know looking after i suppose the the people who can't afford to look after themselves and you know we talked about it before the break about clubs going out in business and and you know we always get the the comparison of so-and-so earning x marks you know x amount of money a week and what that money could do lower down um, I suppose in the case of foreign billionaires as well, or you know, foreign takeovers, it kind of makes sense to come in and and help out the ecosystem that you're going to profit off. Um, I sound like a proper socialist there, and I'm all for it. I think, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it is. It's an interesting point of view. We were talking about this off uh, before we started recording. How much money actually does go down from the top? Because I'm a bit unsure on that. It's a, a token amount, but the Premier League would already say they. They they, they pay their, their their bit, and um, you know that was um, that, that that was related to the football league accepting the 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 change in rules for uh, taking young players, wasn't it? Mm. Um, that that's that's was the trade off. But I, I think the the concern for me is that just throwing money at the situation is is not going to fix it. Obviously, money is needed, but and I, I know Darren's suggestion comes from a good place, and I can definitely see the, the the point in that. But in the current system, I'm not sure the money makes all the difference because the problem is that football league clubs can't be trusted to spend their their, their money sensibly, and also the EFL is a fundamentally weak institution that has been mismanaged for a number of years and a lot of people would say it isn't fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. So I think you go back to other stuff about the iFollow subscription model where people can people from abroad can watch their games and supporters can watch midweek games normally that can't be televised. They can watch all of them at the moment. You can pay a tenner to watch um, a stream of your club that looks like a club video from the 90s. Um, that will cut out every half an hour, yeah. Yes. Perhaps that, even. Yeah, that's sooner. right. But if you don't complain during the game, you can't get your money back. Um, <laughs> and the, the distribution of, of, of money there is weighted in favour of 
of the bigger clubs, which is a huge issue. And that's something that I think Sean Harvey, when when he was chief exec, was, was, was in charge of. If the EFL are dishing the money out or the money goes directly to the clubs, I'm not sure anything really changes. I, I, I think it is just... Uh, kicking the can down the road, as, as, as Pete was saying yesterday. And surely what needs to happen at the moment is not just that clubs are saved. It's not just about giving them a fish. It's about teaching them to fish, isn't it? Things have to change going forward so that we're not revisiting the, the, the structure of the game every mm. every five minutes. I mean, if you're not going to restructure stuff and make it more sustainable at a time like this, when is it going to happen? Is yeah. it ever going to happen? Yeah. If you look at the mismanagement across the EFL relating to Blackpool, Bolton, Wigan Athletic, Macclesfield, that's not because of something that's happened in the Premier League. That's because of mismanagement yeah. at those levels, yeah. at those clubs. Mm. All right, let's move on to another email from Phil Mount Stevens, who says, Hello, all long-time listener, first-time caller. Something really irks me about Fulham being fortunate enough to be promoted a second time in reasonably quick succession to then seemingly squander the opportunity by playing so direly as if to be taking it for granted. I'm guessing you might be a QPR fan, Phil. Uh, He said, everyone I know wanted Brentford to go up, uh, including a few Ramble presenters as well. And it feels like they would at least be giving it a bloody better go than Fulham. Well, we don't know that, do we? Uh, I think we do. I don't know. I don't know. I think this is harsh on Fulham. What do the Ramblers think about implementing a clause into the championship playoff final that the winner gets five games to prove their worthiness to be in England's top tier before the plucky runner-up replaces them and gets a shot? Much like family fortunes where the opposition can win a game just because the first family fluffed up their last answer. The points tallies in the respective leagues would be swapped, which might add extra spice to the reversal. You know, I was on board with that until Phil stuck the boot into family fortunes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Phil, have some respect. This is out of order. This isn't fair. Fulham have had a, a it's obviously they've not been great in their first three games. I'm sure Marcus will sit here and, and talk about Fulham endlessly on, on Football Ramble, but I think this is a bit harsh. I don't know. I'll cover them on Monday. What, you want, you really want to see bad. You want to see after five games, a team can go back down to the championship because or, they've or, not no, been no, good I, enough. Or maybe, saying, maybe even I'm saying, three. Yeah, I'm saying three games. All three. <laughs> yeah. All three. No, I mean, obviously this is, this is kind of mad, but I mean, that's kind of why I like it as well. You know, throw a bit of anarchy in there. Um, <laughs> Fulham are very bad though. I, I don't know how you can have a You've squad. seen them in the flesh, to be fair. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for them because I, you know I don't I want to I want to be someone who if I'm going to lay into something I'm going to I'm going to offer solutions and I honestly don't know how they can turn it around with the players they've got, which is all the more damning because they don't they don't have a squad fit for the Premier League but they were in the Premier League two years ago and they spent a hundred million two years ago and I know they've only spent I think something like twenty five twenty six now and they're really keen to get some defenders in but oh, it just I just don't know I mean. I don't obviously agree with this that they could, you know, they should be swapped out five games in. But maybe after 10 games, we'll be thinking, oh, <laughs> give me some Benarama. Well, 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 Brentford would be coming back in without Ollie Watkins, wouldn't they? So there's, there's a lot of loose ends there, isn't, yeah, there, is. isn't there? there that, is. that would be amusing if not only were Fulham put down after five games and Brentford given the chance, mm. but they just went to, to Villa. Look, just to make it fair, we're just going to have to take your striker away and give him back. And give him back. Uh, well, and I'm, then I'm, they I'm swap back after that. five games, though, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> We'd never get cycle. to the end of the season, would we? Um, speaking of Ollie Watkins, actually, um, another player assigned for Villa today, Ross Barkley, has gone on loan from Chelsea uh, to join Dean Smith's side. This is an interesting move, isn't it? 
It Good is. Good move for Villa, I think. How do they fit him and Grealish into the same team? Because it is Grealish's team. I mean, if I was Barkley and I was going to, uh, you know, let's be fair, bottom half of the Premier League type club, I would want to be the the lord of the manor in that midfield wouldn't you yeah well, I mean considering how well they play I know it was only Fulham and they're going to be relegated in two <laughs> matches time anyway but <laughs> considering how well McGinn Hurahan and Douglas Ruiz do well together you don't really want him coming up and upsetting that and you imagine he's going to get a few games here and there because of the schedule that we've already talked about but but you know he, he's not someone who's going to play out wide you know he's not really going to unsettle Trezeguet in that regard is he someone who's going to come in and, and do the job that begin and Iran do better than he does? I don't think so. I suppose that's that's the question when you talk about keeping everyone quite different players though, aren't they? Like do you do you sort of just use him to take the pressure? You know how he came on for Kovacic all the time and Kovacic mm. came on all for him? Maybe they do that with Grealish because they are hyper-reliant on Grealish even though they've signed good players and McGinn coming back is, is absolutely huge for them, as, yeah. as you say. Yeah. Well, there's going to be some assurances in that move, obviously. He's he's not just done that on a whim. He, no. He'll he know he's guaranteed a certain number of games. Yeah. I mean, I'll just be, it'd be interesting to see where he where he fits in, though, that's all. I, I think he's he's a very good player. I think similar to Deli Ali, he's a player who's been a, a bit confused around what his best position is. Um, and so, you know, all the best to him. Yeah. He also looks happier holding the shirt in the signing photos <laughs> than a lot of players <laughs> who get a step-down type of move do. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you know, you always think of, we, we talked about it, I think, the other week, when Nicola Anelka signed for West <laughs> Bromwich Albion, and it was just as if he'd, you know removed a pigeon from his gutter <laughs> and was like but, holding it up for the camera. Yeah, I think though that's it's because it, it, he knows it's a good move for him. He probably knows he's going to get more game time at Villa than he would in this current Chelsea setup. And also there's nothing more that a player wants than to be wanted, I think, at a club. And, and I think he knows that mm. at Aston Villa, he'll be given a lot of love. Um, what about, Andy, the latest on, oh, I feel bored of talking about it, but Jaden Sancho, like what, what is going on? Is, is this move going to be made? When we talked no. about, we, we talked about this a few <laughs> days ago, not at Ramble, but when we were together a few days ago and you were saying that this is the time United should be cashing in on him because in a year's time, his stock's only going to go up. So now's the yeah. time, invest the money now and just get him. So why aren't they getting him? Just get it, get the deal done. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm going to flip this over to Vish because I just don't understand the way that Manchester United do transfers or don't do transfers. Like, right, well, this is our price. Well, I'll t- tell you what, we'll give you a fair bit less <laughs> because that's what we feel. It doesn't matter what the buying club feels it's worth. It matters what the selling club feels what the player is, is is worth. And um as I said with Sancho, it's been really clear. The price has been a fair one, yeah. I, I think, um, based on what he's done. And also their relationship with Sancho and Dortmund's relationship with Sancho mutually very good. Mm. Um and it's it's just like the the Alex Tellers thing, isn't it, Vish? Like the fact that there's a price there, they know what it is, they can afford it. So who's winning by them not paying it? I don't get it. It reminds me a lot of um, when I used to go back to Sri Lanka as a kid, my parents would always take me to the market and 
there are no better hagglers than your parents, especially if you've got ethnic parents, as I've realised. Yep. My mum would... I, I wouldn't know what story started out, but I knew what it went for and it would always seem cheap because she just knew what she was doing. And I remember the first time I went... I hate haggling. I'm the worst at it. I no, just I mate. just go, oh, yeah, all right, that's fine then. Yeah, OK, bye. Thanks. I, 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 I know I've been mugged <laughs> off. Yeah. My mum's the best at it, though. Yeah, exactly. I think mums are, generally. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember trying to replicate that when I was older and just getting absolutely rinsed. <laughs> and that feels like how Manchester United are doing their business now. They're thinking, well, you know, loads of people haggle over things like that. But they just end up going on for so long. I, was, I saw there was a discussion on Twitter yesterday about, you know, is this the most interminable um, Manchester United transfer dealing in recent history? And it's not, because Ander Herrera was disgraceful. And all, all I could think about there was, at least we're speaking to the right people here. <laughs> at least we're not speaking to some imposters who happen to be walking by. I was going to say, are you forgetting the glory days of uh, Manchester United's Nicholas Gaitan? Oh, God. Wow. Wesley Snyder as well. Wesley He's Snyder, yeah. Classic. The... Um, you know, Andy and I were talking about this in the office and we decided to save some of it here. But I think he saw the pain in my eyes and, and put me on my misery <laughs> and got, just moved on and started talking about Bake Off again. But <laughs> it says a lot that at the height of this transfer dealing, when it looked like United were about to pull him over the line, that Borussia Dortmund tweeted a photo of Sancho smiling, thumbs up ahead of, I think, mm-hmm. a weekend's game. And given what we know that goes into, I suppose, you know, getting the sign off on doing those kind of things. He would have had to have the sign off from uh, Sancho's people and knowing what we know about the Borussia Dortmund, rather the Bundesliga accounts that they're, you know, quite on the nose and and very entertaining. The fact that they could do so, so comfortably and mug off an entire club, social media in turn there, just pressing send and sending the internet doolally. It says all you need to know about how respected Manchester United are in the transfer market. And, that comes from years of, I suppose, thinking they are what they were and not having a bit of self-awareness in that market that they can't really go out and push for the big signings. But also when they do that, when they play their hand as Manchester United, when they talk a big game, people are going to up, up their prices and they're going to play hardball. And it just seems that United just aren't in the mood for that. If you look at the way that Liverpool and Chelsea have done their business this summer, chalk and cheese, really. But Andy, like, you know, from a, from, from your, um, keen European eye as well. We're also linked with Osmano Dembele as someone, as a replacement for Sancho. I don't really look at that United team and think it needs more width. I think it needs more solidity. But even Dembele and Sancho, they're they're very different players. Yeah, they are very different players. Um, Firstly, I think, (laughs) I wonder if Sancho kind of looks at Dembele and think, was was it that when you were trying to force your way out of Dortmund, that was really the right thing? Clearly he got paid a bit more and... um, you know, they're, they're different people, they're different... Pro- I mean, Sancho's a lot more professional, I think we can say that as as, as well. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. And um, it seems that there's maybe not the, the, the legs in that that there might be. I, I, I tend to think that from Barcelona's perspective, they need to hold on to Dembélé to, if, if anything, to, to re... re- inflate his value from from where it is. I was just trying to work out whether reflate is a word. Reflate <laughs> reflate re- isn't a word. I think it is re I think it is re inflate. Reinflate. The, for that. the one thing in Dembele's favour from my point of view is that he's primarily left-footed, isn't he? I know he uses both, but he's primarily left-footed. He doesn't actually know which foot he, he not? is. Because um, it was being We're discussed signing once. an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was being discussed once because he can take free kicks with, with, yeah. with, with either foot. And they, they said, uh, which, which foot do you take penalties with? And he's like, uh... <laughs> 
No. He's, yeah. he's actually taken them with both. Well, that's because Manchester United generally do. We have a you know a dearth of left-footed players when you consider it's just Luke Shaw and Matic really in terms of like the starting crop. Even Brandon Williams was primarily a right back coming through the age groups. There was a gap at left back. He played there, played well, and then you know got his breakthrough through that. See, they should be paying eighteen million for Alex Telles's left foot. Never mind the rest <laughs> of him. Yeah. And what about the link with Luka Jovic as well on loan from Real Madrid? That's another player that United have been linked with. But again, it's another striker and. You've already pointed out as a United fan, Vish, that you would rather see them solidify this team than than keep investing in forward players, except for Sancho, I think. Yeah. Also, is is he a bit of a knob? <laughs> no, a nice no, like, I'm, I'm asking that sincerely because like, I don't I know. Don't, Never met the like kid, bit, but then like everyone seems like a knob at Real Madrid, and then they come by and go, "Oh, no, quite a nice guy." Bale's <laughs> <laughs> lovely now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Once you, once you leave the T birds, <laughs> but I, I think the the thing is with Jovic. They've made quite an effort. He's, he's not helped himself with some of his behaviour this summer, but because he's been a failure in his first season, they've definitely made an effort to paint him right. in that light. But his potential signing does a bit feel like Manchester United panicking, thinking, are we going to get to the end of the window without signing anyone more? And it, it feels a bit spitbally. Mm. Well, we've got Igalo on 400 grand a week, so... <laughs> Thumbs up. Only mm-hmm. only till January, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I think that's part of the um, motivation. For They've got to get a replacement for him now. Yeah. Oh, everyone wants to see Cavani in the Premier League, though. No? no? I think yeah, that'll be that'll nice. Be that's Those, the one. Yeah, that bone come... structure. Yeah, I'll have him at Brighton. Yeah? I definitely would. <laughs> definitely would. I can imagine him, like, riding his horse over the South Downs <laughs> towards the Amex. Yeah. That's be- the before coming to a juddering halt in that massive car park. That would be his uh, reveal for signing, wouldn't it? Yeah. On no. a horse. No, no, no. His what? reveal for signing would be ballet. Oh, yes, it would. It would. He's ballet dancer, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he'll nice. be doing that, Man you know, the talent. thing with his leg on Pirouette. the bar. Yes. Do, yes. You don't want anything too elaborate if you're signing for Manchester United, though. I mean, you think of well, he's like... he's not signing for United. He's signing for Brighton, remember? Oh, right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think... <laughs> if you think of Alexis playing the piano... And I, I remember, like, speaking to a, a few people who've, like, worked f- uh, with and for Arsenal going... He'd never do any of that shit for us. Yeah. <laughs> and then he rattles it out. And then afterwards, he's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've, you've got what you paid for now. Yeah. I'm Speak, just going to put my feet up. Speaking of Brighton United, the rematch. Well, if you want to bring it tonight, up. Tonight, If Vish. you want to bring it up. Oh, I'm ready for this. Right, let's go. I'm going to have a punch up with Vish outside. And uh, tomorrow, Andy, you're going to be back with yes. Kate and Pete. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next time on the Football Ramble. Vish, say bye. Bye. Andy. Later. Bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.